Good morning, One Church. Today we're continuing in a new teaching series called The Key to Everything. One of the things I rejoiced about this week is I actually got a haircut. I had to make an appointment, but I got a haircut, and it felt so good. And this thing's opening up. We're going to eat food in restaurants soon. And very soon, we'll be gathering in a room for church again. So I told you last week, I'm really excited about this series. It's based on a book written by a guy named Matt Keller. He wrote a book called The Key to Everything. And uh, he has been our coach. His staff has helped our staff grow over the last several years. So last week, I was thinking about you, and I was thinking you might be saying, Lord, uh, Rick, just give us the key to everything. Don't make us wait for four weeks. And so I did. And the quote came from Matt's book, The Key Thought of the Series. You ready? Here we go. Teachability is the key to everything. So much of our success in life, career, finance, relationship is determined by the level of our teachability. And if we're not teachable, even God can't help us. So look at what Solomon said, the wisest man that ever lived. This is our memory verse for this series. So if you're alone or with a group of people, let's read this out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Here we go. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. That is a prophetic verse. If we could do that, it would change every scene. And so I'm in a place in ministry that I have never been before. I have never led through a pandemic. Uh, and now we're thinking about reopening from a pandemic. I am reading stuff and talking to people on a regular basis to find out the best way that we can do these things. I'm also learning what we can do uh, during this surge of reversing the curse of racism and injustice. And uh, one thing I heard from people is have an open conversation. So this is just Rick Rouse fashion. I'm in Wegmans last night at 8 o'clock, and uh, I noticed an African-American couple ahead of me, and they had a Christian T-shirt on, and the verse Romans 8.28 was on there. And so I initiated the conversation. I said, hey, I love that verse too. And we began to talk, and I said, uh, uh, I, I want to just say this, that what I've been learning is that one of the ways that we can bridge this gap and bring healing is if we just have an open conversation. So I said, could you just counsel me? What can I do as a white pastor uh, to bridge the gap to uh, an African-American community? And we began to talk for 15 minutes, minutes and I, I heard their heart as being in it. And it broke my heart, quite frankly, as being in it. And they got to hear from me that I really do care and I really am interested and I really do want to make a difference. What happened last night? Can I tell you? Teachability. Teachability. It was just that open conversation that began to open my heart and their heart. So last week we talked about five roadblocks to teachability. One is pride, the other is fear, insecurity, pain, and pace. You can find that message on our webpage and you can get up to speed with where we're at today. But today I want to look at another key part of this teachability journey that we're all on. And that's this. When failure tries to defeat us. If I had a subtitle for this message, it would be, make sure that you fail forward. So three things I know about failure. The first one is this, that everyone fails. I fail, you fail, all God's children fail. As a matter of fact, if you're with some people right now, why don't you turn to one another and say, you fail. Just tell them that. Some of you, I know you too well, you are enjoying that way too much. So let me soften it a little bit for some. Let me just soften it by saying this, that sometimes we don't get it right. We don't get it right. 
And, and the Bible has been very open. God was very open about sharing some of the failures of some spiritual giants. He actually shines some light on their failure. Let me just mention a couple. Abraham, he was known as a friend of God. Can I tell you what? He lied on more than one occasion when the heat was on. What about Moses? You know, he saw God face to face, but in trying to handle the conflict, he killed a man. How about David, a man after God's own heart? Two great failures in his life. One was adultery with Bathsheba, and the other was setting a plan to have her husband taken out. Peter, one of the top three disciples, when the pressure was on, he denied Jesus three times, and he was like his best friend. This is what I know about failure, that everybody failed. Everybody has failed. So everyone fails. The second thing is this. Everyone does not respond to failure the same. One of the greatest leaders in the early church was a guy named Paul. And he said this about setbacks in his life. You ready? I absolutely love this verse. Here he goes. He said this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. He, he shares his heart. He says, I'm hard-pressed. He goes, I'm perplexed. I'm persecuted. I'm abandoned, but not crushed, but not in despair, but not abandoned, but not destroyed. It's our reaction to the failure that determines our success. So in the 1984 Olympics, there was a gymnast that just shined like crazy. Her name was Mary Lou Retton. And here's a picture of her. She actually, during that Olympics, on more than one occasion, a 10 is a perfect score for a gymnast. She did that a few times. And I always think of her on the platform. I always think of her with gold medals around her neck. I always think that she scored 10 out of 10. But this is what she said about her process to success. To succeed, one has to set a goal, pay the price to achieve it, which involves overcoming failure. Our spiritual success is based on what we do with our spiritual failures. I shared last week in contrast to the difference between Peter and the disciple Judas. Peter denies Christ three times. Judas sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. P Peter was teachable. He came to Christ and he received grace and he learned through that. I'll tell you what happened to Peter. He never denied Christ again. As a matter of fact, when he was killed, Christian tradition said he was crucified upside down. Yeah, Judas never gave God a chance to rectify the situation. He, he threw the, the, the 30 pieces of silver back towards those who gave it and went out and hung himself. Teachability is a key to our success. So uh, everyone fails. What we do with it, uh, failure matters. And then this, what we do with failure is a choice. Paul gives us some more insight to overcoming failure. Look what he says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. I love it. In the beginning of that verse it says we don't lose heart. We're losing, not losing heart is a choice. And then in the close of it, in, the, in 18 it says, so we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes. Fixing our eyes is a choice. It's how we respond to failure that makes a difference. And that response is an absolute choice. So I'm going to date myself again. Uh, there was this home run hitter that played for the New York Yankees whose name was Mickey Mantle. 
And uh, he was a home run hitter of his time when I was in middle school. And he played for the Yankees. He was a switch hitter. My friend Doug Smith, when we would play wiffle ball in the backyard, he was always Mickey Mantle, you know, always imitating him. Mickey is in the top 20 all-time home run hitters with 536 home runs. But, you ready for this? Mickey Mantle struck out 1,710 times. Ready for this? He walked. 1,734 times. If I did my math right, that means 3,444 times he went to bat with the intent of hitting the ball, but he never hit the ball. I figure this, right, that he probably had 500 at-bats in one season. That means for seven seasons, he went to bat intending to hit the ball, but never hit the ball. But Mickey Mantle is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Can I tell you why? Because Mickey Mantle understood life is a process of missing the ball, but keep on swinging. We got to keep on swinging. So some of us, we need to hear that today. Because a failure in our spiritual life is paralyzing us right now. Or we set a goal and we didn't hit it. Or as a parent, we're trying to teach our kids about God at home and it ain't going so well. Or maybe we sinned. God forgave us, but we can't let it go. We have to choose not to lose heart. We have to choose to allow him to renew us. We have to fix our eyes. We can fail in a few directions. For instance, we can fail backwards or we can fail forwards. And I want to talk about failing backwards first and what that looks like today. We fail backwards when failure keeps us from trying again. When it causes us to quit. Now, I think about the story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Boldly asked his father for his inheritance. He leaves home, squandered his wealth. He had a choice in his failure to quit, move backward, or go forward and try again. It reminds me of the flea trainer. I told you about the flea trainer before, didn't I? True story. It's illustration number 413. There was this guy that trained fleas. He would put them in a cup, and he would put a lid in it. And so what would happen is those little fleas would try to jump out of the cup, and they would bump their little flea brains on the top of the lid. And pretty soon it hurt so much that they would only jump so high. And then he could remove the lid, and they always stayed in the cup. True story. But um, <laughs> So pretty soon, you know, we start to realize that I think this is what happened with our past failures and sin, that one of our spiritual enemies, Satan, uses all the time in which he causes us to put a lid on our potential, and we only jump so high when God wants us to take off the lid and reach the potential that we had. We fail backwards when it keeps us from trying again. Secondly, when we become negative about life. The prodigal son had a great reason to be negative. He lost all his money. Can I tell you what happened? He ends up working on a pig farm. And one day he's out there on the pig farm looking at what the pigs are eating, saying, I wish I at least had that kind of food to eat. We, we all know somebody, don't we, right, that looks at life through a negative lens. They're down on everything. Anyone that tries something new, they stuff, say stuff like this. I hate to say it, but it won't work, right? I hate to say it, but it's not going to turn out good. I'm just being realistic here. They allow their failures to color their focus. And they influence with their focus if we let them. Thirdly, we feel backwards when we begin to make excuses 
and begin to blame other people. I remember when Monday night football was just starting out. And by the way, I hope we get football back and that we can root for the Bills just for one more season. But there were two announcers at that time, a guy named Howard Cosell and a guy named Don Meredith, who was an ex-Cowboy quarterback. And Howard talked too much. He just talked too much, and he was always ifing and button situations about the team that was, if they had just done this, if they had just done this, uh, uh, but, 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 and making excuses, saying they could have done it better. And finally, Don Meredith listened to it for three quarters, and finally in the fourth quarter, he looked at Howard and he said this, Howard, if its and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And what was Don saying? He said, uh, Howard, failure is a part of the game. We might blame or excuse with phrases like this, right? This is what we don't want to do. We don't want to if and but about our failures in life. This is how it sounds if we do it. Lord, the devil made me do it. Lord, he or she just asked for it. Lord, what did you expect me to do in that situation? When we excuse and blame failure away, or something away, we're headed in the wrong direction. But there's another direction that we can go. And that's where, I, where we can fail forward. We fail forward. And so here's some points under that. Ready? We learn from our failures. Look what the scripture says about the, the prodigal son process. Look what it says. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Under, I'd underline that phrase there when he came to his senses. You know what? It's a paraphrase. It's like when he began to think clearly about his failures. I read this this week. The scientists have learned more than the rockets that blew up and the space other challenger that exploded than the ones that were successful. All medicines were discovered in sickness. One of my life mentors gave me this insight about failure years ago when I was young in ministry. He said, if you fall down while you're down there, pick something up. Pick something up that, that you learn from that situation. When we learn from our failures, marvelous things can happen. The second thing is this. When we discover our true selves. I love the prodigal's conclusion. He says this, I'll set out and go back to who? My father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Do you see his language? Now he is starting to say, my father. Now he is starting to call himself a son. And if I can't be your son... Would you give me an opportunity? Would you hire me to work on, the, on, your, on your farm? Can you see the humility? That day was so critical for that son because it opened the door to failing forward, not withdrawing from his father's love, but walking towards him. See, I think failure and sin, if we allow it to, it'll cause us to take a deep look into ourselves. And if we can be ob objective and just say, I messed up. I'm not perfect. If we can stay po po positive and just say something like this, failure and sin isn't 
final. <laughs> There's hope in it. And, and we realize that we're not eliminated from the hope. And now we can have a positive change. And now that change can actually lead to growth in life. I can tell you, if we were to talk today, that we would share stories about failures in our life. If we process them and, and work through them, that they took us to another level with our relationship with God and other people. The prodigal didn't stay in the pig pen. He headed back home towards his father's grace and mercy. We learn from our failures. We discover our true selves. And the last thing is this. We fail forward when it causes us to deepen our walk with God. I love this phrase. I picked up someplace. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning with God. There are three times that a person will change in their life. When we hurt enough that we have to. When we learn enough that we want to. When we receive enough that we're able to. When we hurt enough that we have to. When we learn enough that we want to. When we receive enough that we're able to. If I were to take a poll this morning and, and, and survey and say, what was going on in your life when you came to God? i got to believe that 75% of us would say it was a time of a failure or loss. A loss of a job, a loss of health, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a marriage, a transition, a crisis that we're going through in our life. So we're going to take communion just a little bit, and I hope that you're ready today with bread and drink. But before we do that, I just want to close this message of the prodigal son by looking at the reaction of the father. When you read it in Luke 15, it's powerful. He says this, that the son has, heads home, and it says, well, the son was a long way off. The father sees the son. Why? Because I got to believe that he was going to the end of the driveway and looking east and west every day. Hoping he would see his son on the horizon. And this day he goes. And he looks and he says, I think that's my kid. He rubs his eyes, he clears his eyes. And it's like, it's his kid. He's coming home. And so he runs to his son. The son doesn't have a chance to speak. The father throws his arms around him and kisses him. Not the reaction the son expected. He throws a robe and a ring and sandals on him and throws a welcome home party in his honor. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meeting. Jesus was illustrating how he sees us if we fail in our relationship with him or if we fail because we never had a relationship with him. His position is he is waiting for us to come home. So I ask you, is this your day? Is this your day when you come to the Father for the first time? Is this the day when you take accountability for what's, 
you failed at or sin or mistakes that you made and you just confess them. Is this a day that you experience the, the love of the Father for the first time? Or, or, or maybe you're already a son and a daughter and you just wandered a bit and you're wandering, there's distance between you and God. Could it be that this is a day when you come close to Him today? Either way, if you choose to commit to him for the first time, I'm sorry, Father, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I want to follow you. If you pray that prayer, welcome home. If your prayer is, I want to get close to you again, Lord. Please help me draw close to you today. Then the Father is looking for you. And I read my Bible. It said that Angels in heaven will rejoice over those decisions. So let's celebrate symbols of his forgiveness. If you have your bread and your drink there, Jesus told us to do this on a regular basis. <laughs> I was thinking of it, you know, it was more than just remembrance. It was he knew on a regular basis we were going to need forgiveness. And one of the ways we actually receive it is through the act of communion and we experience it in our life. Now we sang a song I had never heard before, the third song where it was talking about scars and the freedom that came from Jesus' scars. But I was thinking about my own life and this whole thing of failing forward. Now I have some wounds. Let's say I have a wound, you know, and it's scabbed over, but it's not scarred over. I haven't really experienced God's grace in that area. Can I tell you what happens if I bump that wound? I begin to feel the pain of it all, all over again. But can I tell you what? I have some scars. They're healed, but I see a sign someplace that it's just a reminder to me of what God has done. And I pray that's the place you go to today. Let him heal you in those particular areas. So... Jesus said this on the night that he was betrayed. He took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat all this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup and prayed the same prayer, only saying this, that this is my blood, that was shed to take away your sin. It's the only thing that can take away your sin. And so drink and bring healing and life in an area of your life where you've suffered. In Jesus' name. So a couple next steps off the message. One is this. Memorize Proverbs 1.5. That, that's where it said, let the wise listen. I know I'm talking to a bunch of wise people. So let the wise listen. Second step is begin to own my mistakes and failures. Third is to ask God to help me change what needs to be changed. God bless you as you reflect on this message and act on it. In Jesus' name.